Hello, this is Pastor Sam Velez, and I'm so glad that you're joining us for our service. We hope you enjoy this message today, that it blesses your life and your families. We love you. We're talking about the names that Isaiah describes Jesus to be way before Jesus ever gets to the picture. Isaiah describes Jesus as um, an everlasting father, mighty God. He describes Jesus as the wonderful counselor. And, and today we're talking about Jesus being described as the Prince of Peace. In fact, if you go to Isaiah 9-6, this has been our verse uh, for the past month, Isaiah 9-6. It says this. Really quick, if you're here for the first time, this is what we've been talking about. It says this, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. I don't know what peace looks like to some of you. Maybe a good peaceful day is when the kids are in school. And now the Christmas break is coming. You're like, oh my gosh, I lost my peace. Or maybe for you, a peaceful day is we get to go to the beach in South Padre or Corpus and we get to relax, you know. But every single one of we experience peace in a different way. For some of you, you get peace by going on a jog or going for a walk or, you know. For me, I, I came to realize this when I was in college. My freshman year of college, I went to a college called Southwestern. Daniel went to the same school as me. And, um, you know, when you're 18, you have, you're full of energy and you go out every weekend to different places to go eat, to, you know, I lived in Dallas. So Dallas, there's an abundance of things to do. Go to downtown, catch a game, you know, whatever it is. In Waxahachie, there was this lake, the Waxahachie Lake that people used to go back in my day. Uh, I'm not going to say how long ago, but a long time ago, um, that, we would hang out. Sometimes we would build a fire and people would just hang out and talk and all that stuff. And I remember that after a while, I came to the realization that I was like, I'm actually tired of people. And I remember one time my friends were, they were going to go into downtown. They were going to go to this place called uh, Dave and Buster's. You ever been to Dave and Buster's? Pretty fun place. And I remember I said, you know, I'm going to stay back. And when I stayed back, I just picked up food. I stayed in my dorm, watched the movie and went to sleep. And the next day I realized, I was like, man, I feel so good. Like this is, I love this. And I, that is when I realized that I get my energy from being alone. I don't know if there's any loners in here that you're more of an introvert. Like I just, I need my space. Anybody like that? I need space. Like I need to be alone. And I came to the realization that I find my comfort in being alone. And now that I have my daughter, I, I, I find my comfort just being me and my wife. I come to realize that when it's just us three on the bed and we're just hanging out or we're watching something and she's asleep, like I find peace in that. And for you, peace might look a little bit different, but here's the thing. Even though I'm telling you my story of the peace that I like, it, it's, just, it's, it, it's not the peace that God is talking about. Because that peace is a moment, but it is not an eternal peace. I have peace in that moment, being alone, watching TV, buying food, ordering food. I have peace in that moment, but it is a moment. Because peace is not found in friends or promotions or products. Peace is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's where true peace is found. 
So every time me and you are in a place in our life where we're trying to gain peace from all these other sources, we're always going to feel like we never have enough peace. We're always going to feel like, man, I just can't catch a break, Pastor Sam. No matter how many times I sleep, no matter how many times I shut down my phone, and I don't talk to people for days, and I'm like a bear in the winter, I hibernate. I still don't feel peace because the reality is, is that peace is only found in a person and his name is Jesus. So when Isaiah is prophesying, you have to understand something. Isaiah is prophesying years and years before Jesus ever gets into the picture. And during that time, those were dark times because they were already getting ready to be in Babylonian captivity. They were about to be slaves. They were about to be captured. They were about to lose everything that they had and everything that they worked for. But he said, there's going to be a person that's going to come to this world. He's going to be the prince of peace. The thing you've been lacking, he, you're about to find him. And you're never going to feel a lack again. Amen for that. That We have Jesus that sends, that he's here, that God sent his son so that we could find peace. In fact, if you have your Bibles, the Bible says this. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. In other words, Jesus is saying, the world, the peace that the world wants to give you is powerless until I'm present. Because whenever God is present in your life, that is where the peace is. Whenever we find Christ present in our life, that is where the peace is. When I feel like life is getting chaotic and getting stressful and I feel like my anxiety is rising and I'm waking up at night when I should be sleeping, the presence of God is where you find peace. And when Christ is not present, that is where chaos comes. That is where we become restless with life. When Christ is at the back burner, that is where we find ourselves without peace. And Jesus is telling us today, the gift that I have, that peace, the world's not going to be able to give you. The sources that you've been looking to, the pills and the addictions that you find yourself in are not going to give you the peace that I can give. It's a supernatural peace. Paul talks about it. Paul talks about a supernatural peace. When we begin to pray with thanksgiving and we give it to the Lord, we and we experience a peace that surpasses understanding. It's an inner calm when everything else is chaotic. And sometimes people aren't going to understand it. Sometimes people are going to be confused by it. But when you learn to live in that peace, that God, you're before me, that God, that you're leading me, the God, that you are a shield for me. When you begin to live in that peace, it might be different for the world, but you know exactly what you have. And our job is to hold on to that kind of peace. We have to hold on to that peace. Because we can't hold on to his peace while I'm holding on to something else. And God is asking us today, and he's asking me and you, hold on to me. 
I'm going to share with you a passage in the Bible. Very famous passage. If you grew up in church and if you didn't, um, you're about to hear it for the first time. If you go to your Bible, I want you to go to Mark chapter 4. We're going to be in verses 35 through 41. Mark 4, 35 through 41. It's a few verses. Um, but it says this. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon, a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat and with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Even the wind and the waves obey him. In this small passage, in this moment, we can gather truths of how me and you can hold on to peace. How you can hold on to the peace that you have. If you're taking notes, number one is this, is that I can hold on to peace when I hold on to his word. I can hold on to peace when I hold on to his word. Notice this, Jesus had said, let's go to the other side. He had said, he gave a command. Let's go to the other side. And I'm here to encourage you, whenever God gives you a word, it is going to come to pass. Whenever God gives you a word, when you get a revelation from God, you have to remind yourself that because God said it, so shall it be. Because God commanded me, so shall it be. Because God sent him to Montana, so shall it be that I'm going to see them through it. Because God promises his presence that you have to get to yourself and say, oh, you know what? I'm dealing with storms right now, but because God said he is with me always, I'll never be alone. Because God said that in his word that he promises to give me the spirit to overcome all things, then it doesn't matter what I'm facing, I'm going to come out victorious in Jesus' name. So the question is, will you hold on? To his word or the weather? Will you hold on to his peace and what he said? Or will you hold on to the weather? In other words, a lot of times if we're not careful, our trust goes based on what we're seeing and feeling instead of based on what God already said. When I'm, I'll, Pastor Sam, I'll trust God and I'm at my highest and I'm hyped for Jesus when I'm blessed and, and nothing's going on and my kids aren't acting like demons anymore. And, uh, you know, God, you know, I got the promotion. I, I'm all about Jesus. But then the times of testing come and will you still have the same passion for him? Because that determines where your peace lies. And his word or the weather, in his word, or the troubles of life, in his word, or the co-workers that you have that sometimes you want to kill, in his word, or man, man, or is in the government, in his word, or whatever it is that you can think of, will you trust 
in his word because if I can hold on to his word, I'll continue to have peace. But here's the thing, church. Peace is everything. And sometimes, it's the, here's the thing. It's not that you don't have peace or you can't have peace. Sometimes it's just misplaced peace. You've misplaced it. You've put it in the wrong things at the wrong time with the wrong intentions. And so sometimes it's not that you don't have peace. You just misplaced it. And you got to bring it back again to where it needs to be. Jesus, it's funny. Jesus did that on purpose. He said, we're going to go on the other side. So what does the Bible say? That he was sleeping on a cushion. He was like, all right, guys, we're going to go on the other side. Let me get my pillow. I'm going to go lay down in the boat and I'm going to take a nap. And the disciples do what we do sometimes. We will hear the word of the Lord, but not apply the word of the Lord. We hear what God said, but we won't apply it to our personal lives. Because if the disciples really heard Jesus, and if they really trusted that Jesus said we're going to go to the other side, they themselves would have gotten their own pillows and cushions as well. If I really believe what God said, then I myself will get prepared as well. And so we have to understand, church, is that. That when God says something, when God gives a word, when he gives us his promises and his word, we have to understand that it is a yes and an amen. We have to understand that it is done. We have to understand that when Jesus says what he says, it is not just a suggestion, it is truth. It is a truth that doesn't change, and it's not a truth that's going to die away with time. No, it is a truth that has stood every test. It stood wars, it has stood sicknesses, it has stood every test time, and it still remains true today. In Jesus' name, amen for that. It's his truth that stands it all. That's why Jesus said in the Bible, and he gives the example of that if we were to stand on the rock and not sand. If we build our house on rock, when the winds and the waves come, I'm going to be okay. But if I build it on sand, that's where trouble comes. The Bible says this in Isaiah 55, 11. If you can get this, I did my job. It is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Everywhere I send it. In other words, church, God's word will always go forth and will always produce. So when I apply his word and I stand on his word, I will experience his word. I'll experience his promises. I'll experience his peace. When I'm standing on what he said, when I'm standing on what he promised, I'm not standing on what the news is telling me. I'm not standing, me, standing on what culture and what's popular out there. No, no. When I stand on his truth, something has to happen. Something has to change. So that's why I said, that first point, I can hold on to peace when I hold on to his word. Number two is this, is that my dependency determines my peace. My dependency 
determines my peace. We are all dependent on something. Some of you, if you're a younger person, you are dependent on your parents for money, for house, to sleep somewhere. If you're older, you are dependent on certain things. But your dependency determines how long you're going to have peace. The disciples went to Jesus and they said, don't you care, God, that we're about to drown? Sounds like us sometimes. When we're dealing with the pressures of life, whether it's health, whether it's a job, whether it's family issues, whatever, whatever pressure you can think of, I think there's moments we, sit, we tell God, God, don't you care that I'm going through this? Don't you care that I can't sleep about this? Don't you care that I've been addicted to this? God, don't you care? And I love the way Jesus responds to what they say. Before he even rebukes them, because he rebukes them, what does he do? He speaks to the problem. In other words, when me and you are at our lowest, and when me and you come to God, and maybe it might be in the form of don't you care, or it might be in the form of God, please help me, he always responds. Regardless of what you're dealing with and regardless of your motives, because that's just how good our God is. That despite us, he responds anyways. That despite our ignorance and despite the way we are sometimes, because we can be, if you're, there are people in this world that can be very, very hard-headed. But despite all that, Jesus says, I love you enough to answer you. God's word says that he sent his son he loved the world so much that he sent his son to die for me and you. Regardless of us. And so I have to ask myself the question, how dependent am I to God? When the winds and the waves are crashing, when the pressure is coming, how dependent am I to God? You find your dependence. You, you will find yourself. You, the answer, you will find the answer in the times of testing. Where your dependency really lies. Because it's easy for me to be like, man, God, you are everything. But it's God everything when your prayers don't seem like they're answered. Man, God, you are everything. But it's God everything. When it seems like the bills are getting worse and worse. God, you are, you know... The list goes on and on. But God, are you everything? And Jesus responds to them. And he says, don't you have faith? In other words, don't you know that because I'm present, you're going to live and not die? Don't you know that as long as I am here, you're going to make it. As long as I'm here, your family is going to be taken care of. As long as God is here, you will be healed. As long as God is here, it doesn't matter what's coming against you. The Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. As long as he's present, there's peace. As long as he's there. But church, we have to get over ourselves. 
Because the moment that you get past yourself, you'll find peace for your soul. The moment you can get over you, you'll find peace for your soul. Because when we feel the pressures of life, we are very good at putting things in our own hands. I can imagine the disciples, when the, when the storm's coming, everybody's trying to do their best. Remember, there's fishermen that, that were disciples in that boat. So they, they knew what they were doing. But I can imagine the struggle they're feeling, the stress they have. They're there, and they're, 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 they're trying to keep the boat afloat. And they forget that the master's there in that moment. And they began to ask question Jesus out of their anxiety instead of depending on Jesus. Paul says the best. He said in Corinthians, he says, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 10. He says, when I am weak, then I am strong. In other words, it's not that God wants you weak. He's, what he's trying to say is, when I realize that it's not my strength but his, when I realize that I can operate in his strength, when I, don't, when, I'm, when I stop depending on my intellect and my strength and I depend on him, that's where strength comes. That's where I find my strength. That's where I find my peace. When I realize that I can't do it by myself. That by myself, alone without God, I don't have the capacity to handle anything. I don't have the capacity for it. But with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. And the disciples had a lesson that day. They had a lesson of faith, but they also had a lesson of dependency. Lord, they had to realize, man, we got to be dependent on you. Like I said a few minutes ago, there were fishermen on the boat. They had the skill set. They had the experience. But they lacked the faith. Because skill set and experience does not trump faith. You can have all the intellect, all the skill, all the experience. But if your dependency is not in Jesus, and if your strength does not come from his source, and of the Holy Spirit, if you don't have that, you have nothing. And you will not handle anything. Amen? Amen. Third point is this. If we're going to experience peace, this is the last one. Hold your peace. Hold your peace. The Bible says this in Colossians 3.15. It says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Rule in your hearts. You know what the root word for rule is or control? And there's another version that says control. It is to umpire. It's to umpire. And what does an umpire do? Church, if you're a baseball fan, what does an umpire do? He declares. 
And whatever he says is done. So in other words, Paul's saying, let Christ's word be the one voice that rules your heart. Let Christ's presence be the one thing that you can declare about. That whatever God has declared, whatever God has said in his holy word, he declares the way things are, and so it should be done. And whatever he says, that's it. Just like the empire. If the empire calls strike, it's strike. I can't argue. I can take off my, 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 my helmet. I can yell in his face and get ejected. It's not going to change what he said. I can do all of that, but it will not change what was already said and was already declared. I'm here to encourage you with that church that maybe the devil has tried to declare things and yell things and uh, put things in your heart and in your mind to make you believe otherwise. But what God has already declared, it is done. When God died on the cross and resurrected, he declared redemption. He declared freedom. He declared a new life. He declared a new creation. And that's the kind of God that we serve, church. And what I love about Jesus is he understood peace. And instead of getting with the mess of like everybody else and getting anxiety and getting all these other things, instead of dealing with that, he didn't cope with it. He didn't accept it. He just spoke to it. He said, peace, be still. Listen, he didn't, I'm going to say it again, he didn't cope with it. Church, let us not be a people that copes with what God's come to conquer. Let us not cope and just be like, you know what, this is the way it is. This is how life's going to be. From generation to generation, my family's been this way. No, 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 church. God has created you to change the trajectory of your life. God has come to set you free. And through your life, other people can be free as well. God didn't create you to be coping with anything. God created you to be free. God created you to have peace. And I, I refuse, church, I refuse to allow the devil to think that this city and my nation is going to continue with anxiety and depression. No, no, no. The presence of God overcomes all those things. All those things. So some of you, if that is your issue, you got to begin to talk back with the word of God. What did Jesus do in the desert? He spoke with the word of God. When the devil came to tempt him, and twist the word of God, he spoke back to it. He spoke truth to it. Some of you got to get to a place where you got to talk back to whatever is coming at you. Some of you got to remind yourself. Some of you, maybe it's writing verses down and putting them in your mirror to remind yourself of who God is. I remember when my cousin went, uh, she was, did a missionary thing for about, I want to say a month, uh, to Morocco, which was in, almost made it to the World Cup final. And she was there for about, oh, no, no, I want to say two months actually, in Morocco. And when she left, uh, my uncle obviously, you know, it's just her and my, my other, her little brother and my uncle. Uh, they come from a you know, divorced home. And, um, but when she left, 
my uncle didn't know this, but my, she left sticky notes all over his mirror to encourage him while she was gone. Because my uncle, you know, and I'm sure I'm going to be the same way. If my daughter were to go somewhere, I'm going to be dying on the inside. And then you're all across and all the way in Morocco and there's nothing you can do. And so she would leave Bible verses or she, I remember he sent us a picture of like, or like, dad, you're an amazing man of God. Keep going or stuff like that. Like she left these sticky notes so that he could continue forward while she was gone. And I thought that was awesome. I thought that was interesting. I was like, oh, that's really cool that you did that. And so maybe some of you need to do something like that to combat what you're feeling because you can't allow what you feel to dictate your faith. And, the, and if you are not careful, you will do that. You will end up allowing the feelings, the weathers of this life to dictate what you believe about God. Instead of saying, you know what? I feel this way, but God's word is final. And God has a greater plan. And because through Jesus Christ, I can overcome all obstacles. But it's through that. I have to learn to hold on to peace. I have to hold on to him. What he said. What he's feeling. Another week ago, I, I, I remember I was feeling... I could, I could tell that I was feeling like something was coming, like, a, like I was getting sick. Not like COVID or anything like that. But I could tell something, and I was like, man, my daughter, you know, thinking about my, and now everything I think about is my daughter first and everything else second. So I'm like, my daughter, you know, and I could feel it. So I remember I started to pray, church. And I remember telling God this very thing. I'm, I'm kid you not. I'm, I'm here on the altar. I said, God, I preach about your healing all the time to our church. Let it be known that your word does not fail. That night, I remember I sweated out everything. The next day, I felt brand new. And I say this. Because like I said, the word of God does not fail, church. This word is not just a, a suggestion for your life. It's not a, hope, hopefully, you know, chicken soup, chicken soup for the soul. Anybody used to read that? Chicken soup for the soul. <laughs> it's not any of that. It's truth that outlasts everything. If you've never studied the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, look how the word of God has outlasted everything. Everything. And will continue to outlast everything. Church, we need to make sure that Christ is present so that he continues to be the peace for our life. Peace is not hard to find. Peace is not hard to get. It's simply being aware that peace is already there. And responding to the peace instead of reacting to the weather. Responding to what he said instead of reacting to what I hear and what I see and what I feel. We've been talking about all these names because as we get ready to celebrate Christmas and it's going to be an amazing time and some of you are going to eat, are going to eat tamales like crazy. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to you know, celebrate all of those things. But it would mean nothing, church. 
if we didn't apply and accept who Jesus is in our life, we would have wasted our time talking about how he's an everlasting father, a wonderful counselor, a mighty God. We would waste our time if we could hear that he's the prince of peace, but he's no longer a prince to us or the peace to our lives. It would mean nothing. I'm also here to encourage you that Christ wants to bring peace to your life today. I understand there are times that are stressful. I understand that there are moments in your life where you're like, Pastor Sam, I feel like I'm going crazy and I don't know what to do. May the peace of God reign in your life today. May he be that peace. May he be that comfort that you need for your life. Thank you so much for joining our service and for listening to us. We are located at 4519 East Del Mar Boulevard in Laredo, Texas. And we hope that you continue to be a part of our ICM family.